Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. Open your Bibles to Luke. Good morning. Our scripture passage this morning is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And I promise not to sing it. (laughs) He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see Jesus who was... But on account of the crowd, he could not because he wanted to see Jesus. But because of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. If anyone doesn't know me, I'm Don. I'm the uh, lead pastor here this morning, and uh, my today I get I get light duty assignment. I uh, have the pleasure of introducing a, a guest speaker to you this morning. Uh, before I introduce him, though, I had uh, one announcement I wanted to sneak in. Uh, if you've had time to look at your worship folders this morning, you might have seen there's a note on the back about a business meeting. So the elder board is uh, calling a special business meeting. Uh, we would usually have a business meeting at the end of April, but we, we wanted to, uh, to jump on this. We have a special business meeting on April 2nd, and the only agenda item that day is to, uh, to elect a search committee. So um, I think most folks know by now that uh, Pastor Andrew is, um, has accepted a call to another church. They'll, he and Heidi will be leaving uh, at the end of April. And so as we say goodbye to them, we need to shift our attention to, to what comes next, just like he said, as we're praying. Uh, and so uh, we are going to have a business meeting on uh, April 2nd, immediately following the church service. Everyone is welcome to, to stay for that meeting. If you're a member, if you've covenanted in membership, we especially urge you to stay because uh, you have a, a voting stake in that. We, we, you, that's part of, of membership. So uh, we'll do our best to keep it short. That will be the only uh, agenda item. We're going to send out some information ahead of time just to give you a little bit of a sense of what 
what the board is thinking as we come to that, just some, some things to be prepared as we come to it. But the most important preparation is what you've been doing, which is keep praying. Uh, remember, we're in the middle of a 28-day, four-week season of prayer where I challenged you and we, we as a board challenged ourselves to be praying for what comes next and how the Lord wants us. You know, we, we have the luxury of... Uh, of, of funding for an associate position, and, and there's ways we can use that strategically. So we're praying through, is, is there the changes we need to make at the job description? What's, what's the Lord calling us to do now? So so very much invite you to please continue to pray, uh, whether it's at 9.38 in the morning, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, or just any old time as the Lord brings it to your heart and mind. Uh, keep keep on praying. And Andrew mentioned the prayer, uh, prayer potluck, prayer, praise, and prayer <laughs> event. <laughs> Um, next uh, next Sunday evening, please join us for that. We'll have uh, an opportunity to fellowship together, and then we're going to have some praise time in here and some dedicated prayer times as well, specifically looking to to that decision. So we all have uh, a corporate opportunity to pray as well. So hope uh, put that on your calendar, uh, both next next uh, next Sunday evening and then uh, April second after church. So on to the business at hand. Uh, it is my pleasure, like I said, to introduce uh, Mark Ferran. Mark is uh, district staff, so um, we are uh, we are an evangelical free church. Our church is part of the Evangelical Free Church of America, and the EFCA is broken into 17 or 18 districts uh, around the United States. We're in what is called the Central District, the best district, uh, and uh, it's about 140 churches here in Iowa, Missouri, about the eastern third of South Dakota, and then the northern half of Arkansas. We might just take all of Arkansas. I forget how we do that, but um, but but that's the central district. And Mark is on staff, is part of our district staff. So our superintendent's name is Mike Shields, and then he has a, a staff he works with, and Mark is one of two regional superintendents. He's our half of the district, so uh, Iowa and and South Dakota. And he has a, a bunch of different things he does in his job descriptions, but one of the main parts of his, uh, his, his duties and his, his pleasure to, to do is uh, church multiplication, church planting, which is how, where a lot of us think of, of his role. We have worked with his role. Mark's been in this role about a year, but uh, we've intersected with that in years past when we even helping us more than 10 years ago getting uh, Bethany Church started. So so we're, we're pleased to bring Mark here. Mark is a, a pastor at heart. He pastored a church down in Missouri for a while. Before that, he was in ministry with Reach Global in Romania. He and his wife served in Romania and on the mission field for a few years. He could probably tell you, I'm sure he could tell you exactly how many years. Um, but uh, I'm going to have Mark come on up, and uh, he's going to just share with us this morning probably a little bit about the district, but mostly from the Word. I'm really looking forward to it because I love this passage we're hearing this morning. So can I pray for you? All right, let's pray. And then we'll... Lord, we thank you so much for, for Mark and, uh, and Jamie and their sons and uh, just for his ministry here in the district. We thank you for the district, Lord, uh, for Mike and, and Todd and Brad and, and, uh, and now Mark and just uh, the, the work you do in them and through them on our behalf and uh, just how they serve us, Lord. So we just thank you for them. We pray for our brother this morning as he uh, shares the word with us, that you will give him the words to say, Lord. May the words of his mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight this morning. We look forward to what you have for us today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Well, it's great to be here today. Um, in my role, I have the privilege of lots of, pretty much every other week I'm in a, a different congregation around Iowa or up in South Dakota. Um, and so I get to know a little bit uh, of every one of the congregations and what it's like. Um, and you are a congregation that sings. 
Um, it's, it's just wonderful to be in a place with so many people who have uh, a heart of worship, um, and it comes out um, just in how you guys worship and praise. So thank you for allowing me to be here today. Um, as Don said, I, I serve as a regional superintendent under Mike Shields, the district superintendent. Um, and so my role is basically serving churches um, all across Iowa and South Dakota, where I help churches walking through seasons of transition um, in terms of finding the next pastor. Um, I work with a lot of associate roles and things like that, um, as well as churches going through seasons of transition, um, and then churches that really want to better engage their communities with the gospel. Um, One of the things that excites me about the role is is being able to work with churches that are reaching out um, and taking the gospel into new communities where it is not, where there are not gospel-preaching churches. And so it's so wonderful to be here today with you guys who have a a legacy of having done that already, having sent out a a group so that a new community would have a gospel-preaching church. Um, And that's where we desire every single community to have the gospel faithfully preached there. So so thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. Um, A little bit about me. I'm married. I have two boys. Um, Beckham is nine years old and Roman is eight. Um, and so they, they attend our church in Irvindale where we live, um, so they don't have to travel every single week when I'm going out. But um, before I get into the Word today, I'm just going to open with prayer. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you came down to earth and that you willingly um, just endured so much hardship um, and pain and suffering for us. We thank you as, we, as we're coming up to the Easter week where we just remember uh, your passion, we remember your suffering. We just ask that today you would just, through your word, give us a a clear picture of who you are and how you desire to speak to us today and how you desire to be at work in our lives. We just ask that this passage would just really encourage us to see ourselves as you see us and see others as you see them as well. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, there was such a, a great commotion going on that it causes this man to come out of his business. He, he stays kind of on the side, and he, and he steps out of his shop, and there's this noise, and there's this people, and they're just gathering along the streets. Everywhere there are, there's just people. And, and as he kind of looks down this main street, he can see at the edge of town that there seems to be a group of people, like, all together kind of coming. And he's like, I wonder what's going on. And he realizes, because he's one of the shortest people in town, he's not going to be able to see what, what's going on. And so he's like, I'll just I'll go ask some people. And so he begins running around, and he begins to ask people, hey, do you know, do you know what's going on? And people are all excited, there's an energy, and they turn around to answer him until they see who he is. And they, and then they kind of scowl, or or they just look, and then they turn away without answering. And he he begins to go around in the crowds from person to person, "Do do you know what's going on? And people look, and no one answers. You see, because although he is a Jew, although he is an Israelite, he works for the foreign nation that occupies their country. He's viewed as a traitor. And therefore, people who used to be friends, family, neighbors, they, they look at him differently now. But it doesn't stop him. He begins to just continue asking, do you know what's going on? And finally, he, he finds a little boy that's able to, to help him. He says, it's Jesus. Jesus is coming to town. 
And he's like, oh, I got, I got to see this guy. I've heard stories about him. I've heard that, that he heals people who've been lame since birth. I've heard that he can heal blind people. And I hear that he, he even loves people like me. One of Jesus' own disciples is a tax collector. I have to see this man. And so he begins looking around, and, and instead of running towards the crowd, he, he runs in the opposite direction, looking for some way that he can catch a glimpse of Jesus. And as he begins to kind of wander through the crowd, everyone just kind of ignores him. He just passes through. No one seems to care. No one seems to notice. And finally, he sees this sycamore tree over to the side, and he's like, I'll, I'll climb that tree. And so he climbs up this tree, and as he's climbing the tree, no one seems to pay any attention. And he climbs out, and he finds a big enough branch that, that he can climb out on, and he sits down on it. And there's a, a good amount of foliage there, so he'll break off a few branches so that he can have this clear view of sight for when Jesus comes up. And finally, after a while, Jesus is kind of meandering slowly through this town. He walks up, and finally he begins to come into sight. And this man looks down at him, and he sees him. And he can just tell by the way Jesus carries himself that he's a loving man. He carries himself with a compassion. He can see that he's looking around at people. And this man just sits there and wonders what it would be like to know him more. And as Jesus kind of meanders up through, he gets to that one point where, where, Jesus, where this man has basically cleared out a viewing where he can see. And when Jesus gets to this point, he stops. And Zacchaeus is wondering, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. And all of a sudden, Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus and he sees him. And in that moment, Zacchaeus absorbs the warmth and the love and the compassion of the gaze of Jesus. The man who's disregarded by everyone, the man who's written off by his town, ignored, that man is seen. And as he locks eyes with Jesus, for the first time in a long while, he feels known. He feels seen. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He, he turns, and he walks towards Zacchaeus. And he looks up into the tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, <laughs> you come down here, because today I'm going to go hang out at your house. And this excitement and this joy begins to come over him. And he's like, what? He, he wants to hang out with me? I get to hang out with this guy that, that, that everyone is basically begin to, to come out and see coming through town? And, and he's so excited. He begins climbing down the tree. And as he's climbing down the tree, his excitement begins to go down a little bit as he hears the murmurs in the crowd. Jesus, why would you hang out with him? He's a sinner. You... <laughs> You clearly do not know what he's like. I heard he stole a, a, a hundred denarius from this person over here. I heard, and they begin to go, Jesus, you don't want to hang out with him. He's a sinner. He's a tax collector. And that's basically what Zacchaeus is hearing as he's climbing down the tree. And as he walks over to Jesus, 
He, Zacchaeus says to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And in this moment, Jesus smiles as a proud parent would and says, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is, this is our passage for today. It's this story about how we see Jesus sees this man, Zacchaeus, different than everyone else in his town sees him. Jesus sees him through the lens of grace, and the townspeople see them through the lens of the history that they know. And so if we were, if we were there, and, and we basically begin to go walk around this town and ask people, what do you know about Zacchaeus? What, what do you know about him? And as we think about it, it's, it, it, back then there were not massive towns. It would have been a, still a smaller town. And, and the people who lived there would have lived there for a long time. And so they know people. I, I pastored at a church down in Missouri in a town of 500 people. Everyone knew everyone. When we would go prayer walk or around the community, it was like a, a living history lesson. This is the Johnson house. The Johnsons have lived here since 1950. They had four kids. One of them went to prison. Three of them moved to St. Louis. And then the next house, this is the Martins' house. And, and you get the whole history of everything because in small communities, people know each other well. They know their histories. They know their families. They, they, they know especially when someone breaks the law, when someone does something different, when something gets outside of the norm of the community. And this man, Zacchaeus, is from this town. People know him. And if you were to say, so do you know, what do you know about him? He'd say, well, I know his grandparents. I know his parents. And I know when he began to love money more than God. When he basically said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pursue this route of working for the Roman government and collecting taxes, because I know that it'll be a good job and I'll make lots of money, even though he knew that he would be written off by his own community. The, the equivalent of this, basically, of, of having the Israelites who are occupied by the nation of Rome, would be if today Russia took over America and they set up military posts all over the place, and then one of your neighbors begins to collect taxes from you to give to the Russians. That, that's not chapter one of how to friend, win friends and influence people. And, and that's what Zacchaeus has done here. And, and so this community has basically seen this, the choices he has made, and that's how they view him. They view him on who he has been and the choices he has made. And so if we were to, to imagine that over here, there, there's basically a, a mannequin of Zacchaeus. It wouldn't be up here. I guess it would be right down here. Uh, if a mannequin of Zacchaeus and everyone from the town basically goes, what do you know about Zacchaeus? Well, how would you describe him? And everyone were to have some labels to come over and put on. One of them would come over and they'd put on traitor. Another one would come over and put on, he, he, he's a cheat. 
He's a liar. He, he doesn't love God because he, he loves money more than God. And the townspeople would basically go, biggest one of all, you know, which they said in this passage, he's a sinner. Jesus, why would you want to hang out with him? He's, he's a sinner. And, and so the, the, the people have all these viewpoints of how they view Zacchaeus. But, but one of the things that's so important for us to think about is this, is that the, the people of Israel, the people of this town, are so focused on who Zacchaeus has been and who he is now that they have forgotten who they are. That they're so focused on the labels of, of Zacchaeus is a sinner with all of those things. If you were to ask them, well, what's your label? It's like, my label would be not as bad as him. Not Zacchaeus. But when we think about the people of Israel, Israel were slaves in the nation of Egypt. And they were set free. How? Because they earned it because they deserved it, because they worked really, really hard, and Egypt let them go. No, they were set free because of God's grace. And then as they left Egypt and they headed towards the promised land, and they moved into the land flowing with milk and honey, and they received this promised land, where they live today, how did they, how did they get that land? Because they earned it, out of their, their good behavior, out of their faithful obedience? No, because of God's grace in their lives. In the same way, Israel has this special covenantal relationship with God. They have a relationship with the living God who loves them and interacts with them and reveals his word to them. How? Because they earned it? Because they deserved it? Because they are awesome? No, because of God's grace in their life. You see, Israel is who they are because they are recipients of God's grace. But, but what we see all throughout in this passage and all the other Gospels is, but they have forgotten this. They have forgotten to see themselves as recipients of God's grace, and therefore, they don't freely exert it and give it to other people, like Zacchaeus. I remember um, uh, several years ago when I was pastoring down in Missouri, uh, our church went on a missions trip, and we went with um, Reach Global Crisis Response. And this uh, mission organization, what it does basically is when a natural disaster comes through, there's Reach Global missionaries that will move down into the community, and they'll set up short-term trips. And so, like, the one we went to was down in Corpus Christi, Texas, which had a hurricane come through. So the missionaries moved down there, and they worked through a local church. And then evangelical free churches and other denominations from all over the country will send work teams down there for a five-day trip, um, and they'll help people rebuild their homes that have been destroyed in natural disasters. And it's basically a way to connect people who are in crisis with the local church. Because all the teams who come down here, people go, who are you with? You say, well, I'm an extension of the local church name. And if there's not one there, they work to plant a new body of believers. And so we went down there to, to Corpus Christi, Texas, to, to help rebuild the home. And we basically started on a home that was just starting that week being rebuilt. 
This person's home had been destroyed. They received FEMA money, and they had partially rebuilt their home and then ran out of money. Before, it had a roof on, so it had been rained on for several months. And so we are coming basically to help them continue building it and helping them move the project forward. And when we got there, right when he came up, the first thing you noticed was underneath the house was thousands and thousands of beer cans, just everywhere. You couldn't even see the ground under the house. And so, and there was a lot of other things. And so the first day we kind of had to just clean up to get it ready to actually begin doing work again. And one of the guys from our church spent the entire afternoon climbing around because the house was up on stilts about that high so it wouldn't flood the next time. And, and he's climbed around under this house in the dirt, picking up beer cans for hours. There's tons of them. And, and then we went back to the church, spent the night, and the next morning we had a Bible study to get ready. And people always ask their pastor to do the Bible study, correct? And so the first day I had to do the Bible study, and I had something prepared, but as I was praying about it, I was just processing the day before, and as I was praying about it, I just felt the, the Spirit of God say to me, basically, Mark, if Phil, the homeowner, if Phil was your neighbor, would you be helping him? And in that moment, it was like, no. No, I wouldn't. I would come home every day and complain to my wife, Jamie, can you believe that Phil hasn't cleaned up his yard yet? Have you seen? Every day there's a few more beer cans. And it was just like this moment of realization in my life that it is so much easier to love people at a distance that you don't know, and that you don't have a relationship with, and that you don't have a history with, than it is to, to love someone when you go on a missions trip. Because I'm like, I'm leaving in five days. I can love Phil for five days. But, but as I was just praying through it, it was just this moment of realization that I, I've begun to, to see people in the way that Zacchaeus' town sees him. I view them based on who they are, the decisions they've made, and basically what I can observe from their life. And at the same time, I've forgotten to view myself as who I am, a recipient of God's grace. And in that moment, the the Lord took me to um, a passage from Ephesians, Ephesians 2, verses 12 and 13. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And it was just this passage in the, in the, set, the word, remember. Remember who you were apart from Jesus Christ. You were lost. You had no hope. You had no eternal destiny in relationship with God without Christ. But because of Christ, we who were once lost have been brought near. He pursued us. He gave his life for us. And he has offered us forgiveness and relationship And the big thing is, he pursued us well before we would ever pursue him. Praise be to God that that we have a Lord and Savior who doesn't wait to pursue us until we clean our life up. 
He, he, he comes to us when we are far from him. Romans 5 says, when we are still enemies, that's when he pursued us. And that's what I love about this passage when we think about Zacchaeus. And, and so if we have our, our mannequin over here that has all the labels that say traitor, cheater, liar, thief, tax collector, big one, sinner. But when Jesus walks up, that's not what he sees. He doesn't look at Zacchaeus through the lens of what he has done in the past, how he is currently living, the, the mistakes that, that are currently big and front and center for everyone. But Jesus looks at him as someone who is ready to receive the grace of God in his life. He sees him as someone who, he basically, through just looking at him, goes over and says, I'm going to take all of these labels off and replace them with, you are a human being who is created in the image of God, which means you have value and dignity and intrinsic worth. And I'm viewing you as someone who is a potential recipient of the grace of God. And he treats them not as who he currently is, but as who he could be, with God's grace flowing through his life. And what's so beautiful is that's where Zacchaeus is. He is a broken man. He is ready to receive God's grace into his life. And we just see that immediately just through his brokenness and his response of, I'm willing to give back everything I've taken. I want to give half, half of what I have to the poor because money is not as important as me as I once thought it was. And I'm willing to, to make right all the things that I have done wrong. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And that's where Zacchaeus is. He's lost. He hasn't cleaned up his life yet. He hasn't got his act together. He's lost. And apart from Christ's work in our lives, that's who we were. We were lost. We, we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to death. We were lost and without hope in this world. But by the grace of God, we were set free from that through faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In the same way, we had no eternal promised land to look forward to. This life would have been the end for us. But because of God's grace, we now have eternal destiny to look forward to. Because Jesus Christ was willing to come down to this earth and die on the cross and be buried and rise again, we now have, through, through repentance of our sins and faith in His work on the cross, we now have an eternal life, an eternal destiny, an eternal home to look forward to. Solely because of the grace of God in our lives. In the same way that Israel had a special covenantal relationship with God. Through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we can have 
a special covenantal relationship with the creator of the universe. Not because we've earned it, not because we've deserved it, but solely based on the grace of God. You see, the, the, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, and that's who we were before He came. We are recipients of God's grace. And every single day, we need to wake up and, and see ourselves in that way and remind ourselves of who we are. Because if we don't, then we will not freely extend this grace to others. Hey, as I begin to, to, to wrap up and close, I just want to ask you a couple questions. The, the first one is this. Do you see yourselves daily as a recipient of God's grace? When you wake up in the morning, are you thankful for the work of Jesus Christ? Are you thankful for what He's done for you? And you're, are you reminded and do you remember who you were apart from Christ, before Christ was in your life? Do you see yourselves daily as a recipient of grace? And the second question is this. Just like the, the people who view Zacchaeus as a sinner, is there anyone in your life that you view the same way? Like, like the townspeople who, who would be so quick to come over to the mannequin and put all the labels on them. Who, who are the, the difficult people in your life or in your community that, that, that you can think of that, that you have labels for? Who, who seem far from Christ because of what they've done in the past? Because of the history of who you, what you know about them and the things they've done? or the way they, they, they take care of their property and their house today and things like this? Who, who are the people in your life that, that Jesus wants to come in, basically, and help take down each one of those labels and replace it with created in the image of God, a potential recipient of God's grace? See, the, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And now he calls us, as his children, to do the same. And it begins with each one of us waking up every morning and reminding ourselves of who we were apart from Christ. We are recipients of God's grace, and we have the opportunity now and the calling to extend this grace to others, especially those whose lives look like they might not earn it. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for, for your grace. We, we don't earn anything you give us. It's because of who you are. You are a gracious God. You are a loving God. You are a compassionate God. And you freely give us this grace. We thank you for this beautiful salvation you've given us. We thank you for the eternal home we have to look forward to. I just ask that every day as we see ourselves more and more as recipients of grace, that you would help us freely extend that grace to those in our lives. 
I pray that you would just transform the way we look at people and that we would be able to see people through your eyes, Jesus, through the lens of grace, not who they are today, but who they could be after your grace transforms their life. We just pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.